大家好，我系一子。大家好，我系 Milly。And this is favorite movie scene。Every episode, we talk about movies we love and why we love them. It's been some time since Milly's last pick, and she has chosen to go with the Hong Kong crime thriller Infernal Affairs from 2002. Don't worry if you haven't seen the film. We've got you. We'll be giving you the TLDW. Too long, didn't watch. But if you don't want any spoilers, we suggest pausing here and catching the film first. Growing up in Singapore, Hong Kong action films are a staple in Chinese households, especially during Lunar New Year. I know what you're thinking. She's one of those Lunar New Year junkies. <laughs> But no, I don't actually enjoy blasting New Year music. Or meaningless small talk with relatives who don't actually give a hoot about my life, but I wanted to look at something special today that represents someone whose presence I continue to miss at these big events. My maternal grandpa. In earlier episodes, I mentioned how my grandpa, my akong, worked in the cinema. He was a huge fan of films. He actually kept posters, signed photographs of Chinese celebrities. And even a huge old abacus he used during his bookkeeping days for the cinema. In the years since his passing, I found more reasons to love film, as I think about how it shaped the man I love and how it will continue to shape me. In the last few years of his life, my conversations with him always started with, "Akong, ni siang wo ma? Akong, did you miss me?" This was especially so if I only left the house for a few minutes because that was just our thing. I like to dedicate this review to him and to tell him that Akong, 我好想你 Definitely, Akong's hard not to miss. He was a very kind and gentle soul who loved good food, fashion, and without a doubt, good movies. Infernal Affairs begins with a quote about Avicii, the lowest realm of hell where one is in continuous suffering. But who exactly does this quote apply to? Yen, the once idealistic undercover cop, played by Tony Leung, or Ming, the mole planted by the triads, played by Andy Lau. As young men training at the police academy, Yen and Ming prove themselves to be the top of their class, but they leave the academy on two diverging paths, both winding and difficult, with seemingly no end in sight. Their paths converge once again when they meet at a hi-fi store. Where Yen works, a brief moment of calm in the storm of rising tensions between the rival organizations. The once distinct paths of the two men begin to blur as they struggle with their double identities and are forced to go head to head in a deadly game of cat and mouse. But who exactly is the cat, and who is the mouse, or are they but two sides of the same coin? The climax of the film hinges on questions of identity and begs the question: Is it ever possible? To exit an unceasing path, the movie was pretty exciting overall. Did the introduction with the quote from Buddhism throw you for a loop? Um, I guess it did strike me as unconventional. But then again, when discussing the tension between the police and the triads, good versus bad, it's hard to avoid discussing morality. The question of what hell is is not just a moral one. But also one that compels us to contemplate the heart of suffering. It's a little like that Chinese saying that goes, "Chang tong, 不如短 tong." 
it's better to get over the pain than to prolong our suffering. And eternity as a concept is scary exactly because we cannot picture it. Yeah, it's interesting that there's so much imagery of hell and the commentary of the movie focuses on the police. I can't imagine a society that distrusts its enforcers. And worse still, the enforcers with guns and technology to track your movements. I guess in this case, living under such a fear is also a kind of hell. The, the law or the people that enforce the law isn't really on your side. There are also themes of loneliness that come true in Yen's professionally imposed isolation as an undercover cop, and he runs from gang to gang. We understand that he's been undercover for almost 10 years, shunning all relationships and even his supposed colleagues in the police force. We also see him in various states of injury, despondency, and implied degeneracy in the massage parlor, mm-hmm, as well as yeah. mental illness since he visits the mental therapist. Compare this to Ming, who is moving into a huge apartment with a loving wife who's also a successful writer, and Ming is always dressed incredibly well. Yeah, Ming is a deeply conflicted character, and despite his seemingly perfect life, I would say that you know the title applies more to him than Yan. And in Mandarin, Infernal Affairs is known as Wu Jian Dao, which translates to the unceasing path. Well, just a disclaimer before I go on to analyze the meaning of the title in Chinese. Apologies to my Chinese teachers for my rusty skills, but I'll try. And Chinese actually is a very highly metaphorical language. And while I respect its beauty, I must say that I'm not very great at Chinese. So, the word Jian, which is also used in time, Shi Jian, mm-hmm. and space, Kong Jian, is interesting because if it's Wu Jian means like No Jian, it means that it is beyond time and space. So in this concept, purgatory is also hell, I guess. And yeah, for impatient people like me, yeah, definitely hell yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> the final word, Tao, which can literally mean path, can also refer to a philosophy. Mm-hmm. The young Ming embarks on this path of immorality. I mean, he knows exactly what he's getting into. And yeah, I think if you look at the ending, it seems pretty fatalistic. And honestly, the casting of Edison Chen was great uh, because of how ironic it is, like this downfall of this uh, celebrity. But I think that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, for sure. But that's definitely in tune with the more philosophical undertone of the movie. Like, uh, can a bad person become good? Ming definitely tries to go good at the end, but you can see his past catching up with him. Like, he justifies the killing of his previous triad boss as him turning over a new leaf. But Yen coincidentally figures out Ming's connection to the triad, leading to Yen's own death and a subsequent twist as Ming has to tie up another loose end. We then realize that the police force has many more moles, and now that Ming has come into power himself, these moles will undoubtedly see him as the boss. This equivalence of triad to police is made also when Inspector B asks Ming to take care of him now that they are both on the same boat as moles. So the idea of brotherhood and familial preference is common as in both the force and the gang. And I think this is when Ming also realizes that he will always be beholden to the triad as a family member, just like how Yen was until he died, in spite of his efforts to escape and go legit. For the movie, do you have a favorite scene? 
Well, I was waiting for you to ask me this question because I do. Being an audiophile myself, it has to be the scene where Yan and Ming listen to the Cai Qing song. Oh, not Cai Xing. <laughs> By the way, Millie originally wrote this as Cai Xing, pickled vegetables, all playing for our episode because of her bad Han Yunping. Well, we did eat pickled vegetables for lunch, so oops. Well, anyway, her song, Forgotten Time, it's actually very shockingly intimate. Well, the vibe of the song, as you can hear, is very like 1920s Shanghai, and it's definitely a song that the older generation would enjoy. And my uncle actually loved Chai Tin songs. The song choice is symbolic because both Yan and Ming made the decision to sacrifice leading an authentic life 10 years ago. But time has gone by. And yeah, time and tide wait for no man. If you rewatch the scene again, you can actually see another customer in the background of the shop. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like he doesn't matter because there's that bubble of safety provided by the song. And as the voices drift towards us, the camera moves towards them, giving us this back view of two individuals sitting side by side just enjoying the music. And it's very poignant to me because in another life, they could have been friends. Some fans have also made comments about how The Departed, um, mm. which was out in 2006, pales in comparison to Infernal Affairs because of how it fails to set up this connection between the protagonists. So how about you? What's your favourite scene? I mean, it's a bit related to your favourite scene, but it's mm-hmm. the part where Yen confronts Ming on the rooftop. Like, we see Ming trying to tie up all loose ends and go legit, but of course he fails and ends up getting exposed by Yen with the truth ruining everything, including his marriage. You can see him have this hubristic confidence that his boss is the linchpin, and that killing him will set him free. And he confronts the boss face to face as if to show him that, hey, I've betrayed you and turned. But it's still reminiscent of a gang killing instead of real justice, Mm -hmm. where the criminal is caught and tried in the court of law. I think the foreshadowing of the first scene, the audio file scene, is perfect as well. Like Ming enters the steroid house and asks for help failing to spot Yen who was working nearby and Yen actually ends up behind Ming and he turns around. I think there's this double valence of each scene leading up to Yen calling Ming onto the rooftop again and it forms this intricate tapestry that supports the whole storyline when Ming gets back to the rooftop. You can also see him look around on the rooftop before he gets a gun pointed to his back. Now that's really important because we see Ming as the one who's always trying to get ahead, right? But in the end, he's blindsided by Yen, just like at the start. I think the scene replicates this blindsiding. And when Ming tries to bargain with Yen, we see that Ming has no remorse for what he has done, right? He's truly a criminal, true and true, and he's trying to get ahead at any cost. Mm-hmm. Like this reinforced when he actually kills his subordinate, Inspector B, who's proven to be loyal to him time and time again. He isn't motivated by justice. Right, he say he's trying to clean the force or something. Mm-hmm. But rather a ruthless kind of survival instinct to protect whatever power he has come into. And when Han talks about Caesar's ascent to be on a mountain of bodies, we see that Ming has chosen that path of violence and killing. Yeah, it seems that to him it's more important to be perceived as clean rather mm. than actually being morally upright. Yeah. And speaking about the scene on the roof, there was this um, Chinese-Singaporean television series titled The Reunion. I'm not sure if you saw it, mm-hmm. but in Chinese it's called Ding Tian Li Di, which aired in 2001. And yeah, I don't watch local shows very much, but I remember being 
as a kid, like I was really blown away by the three protagonists who begin as brothers, mm-hmm. but each of them ends up on a very different side of the law. If I remember correctly, the last standoff that they have was also on the roof. Okay. So I guess if you're like, what's up with all these 2000s directors and rooftops, I guess they couldn't resist the symbolism like, oh, you know, like yeah. light versus dark yeah. in a city. Actually, in the first rooftop scene, right, we have Inspector Wong who is reminding Yen of his original identity as a policeman. As Yen becomes even more disillusioned with the undercover stint, he's like, you know, mm. you told me three years, but you keep extending it, so he's a bit upset. Um, okay, a little bit morbid, but Wong falls from a great height as well. So we're talking about the rooftop, right? And he falls onto this car that Yen exits as he's making his way into the building. And we can clearly see how traumatized Yen is. The final person who could bring him back into the light. A mentor that he reveres so deeply is gone. Yeah, so for you, E.T., did you find any of the other supporting characters to be ones that made an impression on you? I actually have two. And the mm-hmm. first one is Silly Chiang, for sure. And Inspector B after that, for how effective Inspector B is to show Ming's fall from grace. Now for Silly Chiang, he's the fool, right? And he's the gangster that probably sees things most stri- straightforwardly. And actually sees the truth in things. Haha, <laughs> essentially the abing. Yeah, right. He tells Yen to protect himself after driving away from the fall. And he tells him that he covers, he has covered for him to haunt. And the funny thing is that he probably ensured that Yen would seek justice against whoever killed Inspector Wong. When Sili Chiang talks about who is a cop and how to identify one, yep. and also rightly identifies they are being monitored by the police, right? It's kind of dramatic irony that effectively shows you that everyone else doesn't see the truth, but he does. Uh, Inspector B is essential to show you how far the corruption has spread in the police force. Like the gangster moles are truly numerous, but each of them have their own agendas and allegiances, right? Mm-hmm. But it drives home the point that your origins matter, and ultimately your actions culminate to, into the path that you take. Yeah, I do like the naivete that Xiang uh, brings to the table, especially in a morally ambiguous space like the underworld. Mm-hmm. There's a certain comic element to his character, but I think it doesn't distract us from the very grungy tone of Infernal Affairs. Yeah. So for you, what did you think about either of the two women, uh, either Mary or Dr. Lee? I think for Mary, well, she's a writer, right? Mm-hmm. And Ming's question to her foreshadows his own struggles with his double identity. Like, however, did he really have any choice in his actions? For him, that's a question that he asked, right? Mm -hmm. If a person does bad things for good, does that make him bad? However, we learn from the movie that doing bad things make you a bad person, regardless of how you justify it, right? This is because of the consequences of the bad things that you do. It often outweighs any good it produces. Like, there's been a lot of scholarly analyses focusing on something that you have identified as well. Like, there's this colonial origins of policing and control through the locals watching and enforcing upon other locals. Like, it actually creates this culture of fear, almost like a panopticon where each person is spying upon the other. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, this movie is indeed set against this backdrop of fear. Other martial arts films, like Wong Fei Hong or even Ip Man, do also show the corruption of the colonial police. And even in post-colonial Hong Kong, what we have left is a legacy of deception. Yeah. 
ya so what do you think about the film setting and do you think that it represents hong kong in the way that you've experienced it I think we've both went to Hong Kong for yeah, trips, number right? Of times. And those times were very pleasant. But in the movie itself, I think Hong Kong is kind of urban heaven and hell. I think sites of Hong Kong has this familiar charm. But adjacent to this welcome is the smell of urine, mm, <laughs> unmaintained oh. buildings and general disrepair, right? We've experienced that as well. And there's no synergy in these oppositions, but yet they still exist at the same time. Like it's an uncomfortable truth, I feel, that's being depicted. And human experience is actually closer to this kind of urban reality, where a person both has good and bad at the same time. The urban sprawl in the film emphasizes that there's this very dark and encroaching corruption more. Like it's a setting where evil is winning, and a stern warning that whatever badness or corruption needs to be stopped before it becomes latent. I think there's a recognition of evil's insidiousness and becomes a central point of the film's conflict. And the fact that good perishes is also a big wake-up call. I am Gotham's reckoning. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, yeah, to me, Hong Kong feels like um, both an old person trapped in a new world, but also like a young person trapped in an old world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very hard to describe it. And the urban squalor, you know, when you contrast it against like, oh, wow, these massive skyscrapers that Hong Kong has, it brings out that duality that you've described. And I mean, talking about Gotham, right? Yeah, Hong Kong has a very unique charm that reminds me of Gotham with its like crime syndicates and anti-heroes. You see, they can't be like heroes in the most righteous and clear sense. Anti-heroes like Batman who blur these moral lines. Oh, the topic of superheroes, I wish we could do this all day. We could do this all day. <laughs> but none of us have the energy for it. So hang tight, because favourite movie scene will return with a request that may be more modern than most of our other movies. Marvel's 2016 Captain America Civil War. Now you have at least two weeks to watch the film and think hard about which character from Marvel's super secret boy band you'd rather fight for. Shocking and fantastic abilities need not be disclosed beforehand. Thoughts there for tuning in. To listen to our other episodes, search Favourite Movie Scene on Spotify or visit our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash hyphen studios Till then, movie friends, we'll be seeing you!